This episode of Counted Out is dedicated in the memory of Shad Gaspar. Yo, 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 yo! Pop a 40 and check your rollies. It's crime time! Brooklyn, Brooklyn! We're bringing it, bringing it! We're bringing the hood to you! We're bringing it, bringing it! What you gonna do? We're bringing it, bringing it! Bringing the hood to you! We're bringing it, bringing it! Yeah, that's how Hey, yo, no more Hollywood! Nah. This is Hollywood! Yeah. Crime time, be scared, you probably should I come from the streets, I was raised in the gutter I run up on your mother for that bread and butter Well, we are alive, pal, Mike How you doing, my friend? Um, set to be better, uh, making myself uh, a whiskey mule Oh, fancy man Right? Oh, Snagged a uh, snagged a, a can of ginger beer from the work. Got some rye at home. Fucking couple limes. So I'm set, man. I'm set. See, I went back to the classic. I went back to the Jack and Coke tonight. Can't yeah, I don't. I don't know how you drink Jack. Fucking sweat. It's just heaven. It's just heaven on earth. It's oh. no gentleman Jack. Gentleman Jack Daniels is the best one out of all the Jack Daniels, and it makes you sophisticated the drunker you get too. Oh, it does, does it? No, oh, we'll, we'll have to test that out on the show one week. Yeah, you'll see. Or maybe we'll have to do a video one because your pants come off when you drink it, right? So, this, wait, wait, wait. So you, so you're telling me right now that you have the uh, ability to be drunk, pantless, and sophisticated all at the same time. Yeah, I'm drinking something that's called gentleman. Duh. <laughs> you can do anything you want at that point. I, gentleman Jack, suck it. I I like your uh, I like your logic behind this. I gotta tell you, man, I was trying real hard this week to to find a way to keep our first half positive before we move into our list today, the top seven Undertaker storylines of all time. There's a lot uh-huh. of bad, a lot of a lot of stuff going on that's not too happy in the wrestling world to this week. Yeah, yeah, it's been a sad week. A little bit here. Maybe we'll start off with the 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 big news and the 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 most tragic news of Chad Gaspar. Yeah, uh, I mean, and this was a few days coming to. Uh, we're we're recording this on uh, Wednesday the twentieth. Something um, like that. Which which happens to be the day that they uh, they found Shad's body officially. Um, but uh, if you're living under a rock and you haven't heard the news, Shad Gaspar uh, went missing on Sunday after swimming with his 10-year-old son and a riptide took them out. Um, the Coast Guard got involved. Shad, like a fucking champ, like a hero, made sure the Coast Guard focused only on his son, got his son to safety. And in that time, another riptide came, uh, knocked Chad right out, or Shad, sorry, knocked Shad out and uh, took him away. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't found for three more days till this morning, his uh, his body washed up on shore. So, uh, of course, our condolences to the the Gaspar family. And uh, what a man, man... uh, this one hit me a little harder than usual. Um, not exactly because I'm a huge uh, uh, a crime time fan. Because like crime time was entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I, I thought they were a, a very entertaining uh, uh, tag team back in the day. Um, 
I wanted more from Shad, to be perfectly honest. I thought he'd get a return. And can you just imagine him as a big monster heel? Oh, he had the luck. He he was he was great. You know, uh, very underutilized. Uh, we could. I don't think he reached his potential. Um, but he was also a big family man. They, you know, I, I read a lot of articles over the last couple of years saying he'd be fine if he didn't get back into wrestling as long as he had his family. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so to know how he went out protecting his son, and uh, th- th- this hits me a little harder now, myself now being a father, and I had time to sit down and really think about the situation. And I can tell you, without shadow of a doubt that I wouldn't have done one goddamn thing differently than he did. If that was me and my son out there, I would have done the same fucking thing. Save him. Save him. And if it meant, you know, the final sacrifice, then that's it. Um, Shad Gaspar died a hero on Sunday. That, that's all I know. 100%. And you could really tell that he had the, the respect of his peers, the outpouring on Twitter. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, and, and you know what? He's a guy that that you didn't hear a whole lot about from you know, like guys like let's say an Owen Hart. It's legendary how popular yeah. he was. Um, but with Shad, just the amount of people that came out of the woodworks to say what an entertaining and what a nice guy he was. Uh, yeah. He really did seem like he left an impression on on multiple people, and it's a terrible story. And um, you know, cheers, cheers for him going out like a hero, protecting his son. Um, uh, what what more can you say about that? Uh, hats did, uh, off to him. did you see the shirt that Al uh, Al Snow's care um, T-shirt company put out? I did not see it. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the company. It's like Collars and something, um, something in Collars. It's bugging me now. Uh, I will we'll put the link on the uh, on the Facebook page. So if anybody wants to go buy this shirt, one hundred percent of the proceeds go to the sh- uh, to the Gaspar family. Oh, uh, uh, also, not keeping a, a goddamn red cent. Um, it's a uh, it's a replica shirt of the old um, uh, Brooklyn's finest uh, Mike Tyson t shirts. Oh, nice. Um, uh, which there's a a picture going around of Shad Gaspar wearing that shirt, the, the Mike Tyson shirt. Okay. So this shirt, it's a replica of that shirt, but instead of saying Iron Mike, Mike Tyson, it says Beast Shad Gaspar. And then it says, uh, and then instead of saying world champion at the bottom, it says world-class hero. Wow, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I think I'm going to probably buy one. It's $24.99 on uh, Al Snow's webpage. And uh, like I said, 100% of the proceeds go straight to uh, Shad's uh, wife and his children. So uh, it's for a good cause. Well, and I know friend of the show, Wilson, is a diehard Al Snow fan. It looks like he picked a winner with, uh, with that one. Al Snow, what a great man for doing that. Uh, and and just real quickly before we move on to our next topic, do you have a favorite crime time moment or a favorite Shad Gaspar moment in general? I'll top your head. Uh, not that come to my head, not one particular one. I just always found them uh, entertaining. Whenever you know, I don't remember many of their matches, unfortunately. But they're 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 backstage stuff. Uh, the stuff they did with the action, the stuff they did with uh, you know, whenever <laughs> they would steal steal stuff, and you know, it, it was always. Uh, it was always good for a laugh, if nothing else. I have, I have two, you know, two that have, come to mind. I'm gonna have to look what? back into uh, into the archives to see if I'm right or wrong. I feel like I saw them live once. I feel like they were at one of the Raws I was at, uh, probably the one in 2006. 
Um, I have to check whether or not I'm right or wrong about about that. But uh, yeah, um, I love their music. Po- I'll say that much. <laughs> I, I'm going to post on um, on our Facebook page tomorrow. I found a great one. It's a promo they did with Booker T when he was King Booker. Right. And Shad, Shad was really entertaining on it. Um, and they were talking and Booker T looks at him and goes, I don't speak Ebonics. And then they ended up stealing Booker T's wallet and he went from being the classy king to street thug Booker T again. I thought it was really, really funny. That was really uh, I, and I, always, that. I always remember them dancing with William Regal and the coach at SummerSlam. Oh, I yeah. Remember that. that money, money. Yeah, yeah. That was their little catchphrase and they were all dancing. Vince walked in with the, what the fuck are you doing? Look on his face. Uh, <laughs> those, those are kind of my, my two uh, memories of, of crime time. Um, do you want to know why crime time was lost on me personally? And uh, how come? It, it's a silly thing. It really is, but it, but it's the truth because JTG always reminded me of that rapper Nelly. Yeah. He did, and, he did look like him. And I fucking hate Nelly. I saw Nelly in concert, you know, of course you did. I couldn't believe it. he, we took um, uh, a friend of a, a friend of ours uh, who, you know, actually, uh, I'll tell you off camera. Okay. Uh, or off air, off air, but we took him and his wife, who we'll just call Hammer Time, um, <laughs> to, uh, as, right. as a joke, as a joke to go see New Kids on the Block in concert because okay. our friend is a, a closet a, a closet boy band fan. So as a, <laughs> as a joke, we took him to go see New Kids on the Block and Nelly and TLC open. So that's a hell of a that's a hell of a card. It wasn't bad, actually, you know. And there might have been some waterfalls from waterfalls played on my end. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> oh, uh, man. So let's move on. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring. You and I haven't talked about this no, yet. No, uh, I purposely haven't talked to you about this. Uh, I wanted to, to talk about it on air. Um, I'm just going to flat out say it. I, I didn't like the episode. Uh, you know what? I felt a little underwhelmed with it as well. I did like the episode, but I, I, I felt like it should have been a two-parter. Yeah, they're, they, to me, it it was more about Martha than it was about Owen. Um, it was it, it it really was the Martha Hart show, and and fine if that's what they wanted it to be, then then they maybe that's kind of how they should have marketed it. But um, for me, they really brushed over Owen's career, and uh, really sort of brushed over his family's accomplishments. Uh, yes, they talked about it. Yes, they mentioned it, but it was kind of a footnote in everything else. Um, I kind of. Yeah, I, I kind of sort of had a problem with, with, with all that. And there are so many people, so many people. I can think of 10 people off the top of my head that should have been talked about for uh, talk, talked to for this documentary. And usually when Dark Side of the Ring omits somebody from their documentary, they'll put a little thing that says, you know, Rick Martell was not uh, available for... Uh, um, for interview or this person said no to us not once did that come up in this interview which in this documentary which makes me think they just didn't reach out to these people they didn't reach out to anybody from wwe they didn't reach out to any member of the heart heart family they did not reach out to any member of the rigging company 
if, if, if so, if so to me, and one of my pet peeves, not with dark side, but with documentaries in general, is when I see I don't want to watch a one-sided documentary. Show both sides of the story so I can make up my own fucking mind. And they did not do that in this, in my, in my opinion. See, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to disagree with you okay. on, on, on those points. I don't want to hear from the rating company. And I don't want to hear from the WWE because they fucked up. And it's proven. It's It's been proven. Because Martha Hart says, so I'm not saying you're wrong. No. But you, you can't it, take one side. Everybody gets a, has the right to defend themselves. What is this company going to say? What is this? Do you really think that this rigor who or one of the people that work for that company that was involved with this wants to come on and, and have anything to say? He should have the right to say no. Whether or not he has should, the right to should, or not. He should, he you, should have been invited if, at least. If you were the rigor, would you want to say anything? It doesn't matter. I should. Listen. He should have been asked to come on is my point. And we don't know if he was or not. They're mm. not going to disclaimer everybody. But for me, I don't want to hear from the Hart family because half of them turned on Owen and turned on Martha during the lawsuit. So their husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did not turn on Owen. They turned on Martha. There's a difference. There's no difference. There There's no difference at all. Huge difference. They, just, be, they, just because somebody says this is what Owen would want does not make it so. Owen's not here to tell us that. What, they what purposely. Brett's mind and what Owen would want in Martha's mind are two different things. And who are we to say who's right and who's wrong? This family purposely was feeding information to the other side so their husbands could get jobs. Because they did not agree with what she was doing. But it doesn't matter. They don't have to agree with what she's doing. You can't sandbag her. And then, like, what are they even going to say? Oh, no, that's a lie. Like, it's not a lie. It's all proven. This this is supposed to be about Owen Hart, right? To me, the the only person that's career even that they they really went into during the whole dark side of thing was Chris Benoit because he got two parts, right? They didn't really go into LOD's career when they did that. You know what I mean? Like the, the these series aren't about homaging a career. It's unfortunately about the darker moments of it, right? For me, I want to hear Owen the Family Man, which they talked about. Um, you know, Martha is very opinionated. I don't agree with everything that she says, but I do believe that she has the right. Um, she has the majority of the right now, especially of how Owen's legacy gets gets remembered. Oh. I and I don't disagree with that. I you know I'm not one of the guys. Do I want to see him in the Hall of Fame? Of course, for, from from a from a selfish fan standpoint, of course I do. But do I understand why she's not doing it? Of course well, I do. I'm not. That, gonna that's my next that. question to you. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think that Owen Hart should be or should go into the WWE Hall of Fame? I'm going to say no. And, and do you and do you want to see it? Okay, so those are two different questions. Do I want to see yes. it? Yes. Do I think it should happen? Not until the family, and I do, and I mean his his immediate family says yes, and that's never going to happen. So as long as Martha and Oge and Athena don't feel comfortable with it, then no, it shouldn't happen. I'm and and I'm not in the camp of oh fuck Martha, she she's got to just fucking let it happen. No, because that's not what she wants, and she needs to do what's what's best for Owen's memory the way she can. Because Owen's not here to tell us what he wants, and there's nothing that's more than when I always hear, "Oh, this is what he would have wanted." 
Fuck you. Yeah. You won. You, you heard that a lot with Eddie Guerrero when they were, you know, saying terrible things about him to further storylines. Yeah. They're not using Owen in the storyline. And you know what? I think if anyone would know in this case what Owen would have wanted, I think it would be Martha. And Owen, it's, 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 no, it's no secret that Owen was looking to get out of the industry. Yeah. And he, all he wanted to do was settle down. And he, I think they had just bought it, their dream house, actually, right before he passed away. I don't think they were finished unpacking it yet. But he was just waiting for his contract to run out so he could just stay, stay at home with the, with the kids. And for me personally, I don't want to see Owen Hart go in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't think that he should ever go in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, after watching his son explain his reasoning why, uh, that's all I need to hear. Whatever, whatever Martha and and Oge and, and Athena want to do with his legacy, I think yeah. is proper. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that they're the ones that that are the true losers in all of this. Oh well, of course. Um, and I respect yeah. what Martha said too. And I, I don't want to recap the whole show. Go out of your way to watch it and, and leave some opinions on our Facebook page at Counted Out Seven. Uh, the the word seven, not the letter. Fucking punk band. Um, <laughs> go out of your way and leave your leave your opinions on it. I like that Martha said, I don't care how much money you guys want to offer me. I want this to go to court. Yeah. And it's not, and even that's not about the, uh, about the money. Now she did say that, but she still accepted the settlement. So let's, let's not give her too much fucking credit. I know that there's a lot of, there was a lot of reasons why that happened. And I, I, I did read Martha's Hart's book book years ago, and it, I have to refresh myself on it. But I know that um, Stu, Stu and Helen were really having a hard time with it. Uh, they were being pulled both ways. I know a lot of I know some of her decision had to do with their well-being and, and their health as well. Um, I'll have to reread the book again. And if anyone knows off the top of the head, leave us leave us a message and we'll find out. Um, the whole thing is the whole thing is just a terrible situation. It divided a family. Uh, for me, the biggest letdown about about the episode, though, was that I really thought that the aftermath that they should have focused on the trial aspect of it more because that's where things really got fucked up. Yeah. That's where the family really got sneaky. To me, I think they glazed past that too much. But I also like that the documentary is more about Owen as the person, Owen as the father, Owen as the the great wrestler. They they really made Owen look like a million bucks in the documentary. Hundred percent, yes. But, but then again, from what I've heard about about Owen as a man, it's hard not to make him look like a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? The 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 man doesn't matter who the fuck you talk to, you're getting a great Owen story. Uh, before we move on to the next point here, do you have a favorite Owen Hart rib story? Uh, no, not one that hasn't been told a thousand times. Well, what's your even if it's been told a thousand times? What's your favorite Owen Hart rib story? I think, and again, it's it's so cliche because you, 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 again, you you've heard it, you know, two billion times. But I do like the one where he he punked his father on the phone. The Reggie Park uh, one. Yeah. That, that... If you wanted to try me, Reggie, you should have just tried me years ago. That's my favorite story as well. And I'm trying the to remember. Damn Owen got me again. I believe there's one too. About uh, if I, I correct me if I'm wrong, if you know this story, but I feel like it has to do with uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he and, he, and they're at a hotel and he and he and <laughs> yeah, kept yeah. calling hacksaw's room and telling him to go down to the lobby, 
Yeah, and Hacksaw lost his marbles, right? Yeah, yeah. And the whole time, he's sitting in the fucking... Uh, like he, uh, oh, he being Owen, is sitting in the lobby watching... Just dying, right? Watching... Yeah, uh, yeah I, like, I like that. Yeah. I like that one as well. Those old um, before we move on from Owen, make sure you check out the, the, the Pro Wrestling Tees site. They do have some Owen Hart merchandise up. Um, speaking of, of shirts that have been made... Um, yeah, I think though, I think all proceeds go to the Owen Hart Foundation, if I'm yes, not mistaken. All proceeds are going to the heart or to, to the Owen Hart Foundation, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, so that makes me want to buy a shirt, <laughs> and I still may buy one. I'm just not a fan. The two, the two shirts, the one with his picture is just, I don't know, I've never liked shirts with a, with a person's picture on it, it's just not something I, I like. I like logo shirts. But the Owen Hart logo shirt, I fucking love it. I really do. I love that logo. Except the fact that they stuck the the Dark Side of the Ring logo right in the middle. That pisses me off. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of of, of that being there. So I don't know. It sounds it sounds like you might have a whole new wardrobe by the time we're done recording this episode, man. Oh, between the Owen Hart, the Jack Hart, <laughs> and the fucking, I just ordered a bunch of t-shirts online, dude. Because I'm getting fat. Fuck. Quarantine body, baby. Oh, you have no idea. And I, oh, trust me, I do. And I, and I just started. A, I just started a new medication where where one of the fucking side effects is you could gain weight. My God, fuck, that's all I need. <laughs> I'll start doing our sit ups every night. Get on that DDP yoga. Now, I I have one more thing to to shortly to to really briefly talk about before we get into our list, but it has to do right. with our list. So, okay, well, I have. I also have something, by the way, that doesn't have to do with that. Oh, okay, well, why don't you do yours first? Because my mind segues right into our list. All right, and I'm going to keep this really quick, and I okay. want to put this out to opinion to our to our listeners as well, uh, and our many new listeners as well. We're getting a big, uh, big contagion from Mexico this week, all of a sudden. So, Ireland, you guys got your work cut out. For yeah, you. no shit. Last last week it was uh, it was the it was the Irish. Now it's the uh, now are we sure it's all uh, they're all Mexicans. I, I, I just I just don't want to be all racist about it. There it seems they're Spanish. How about, we, how about we say the Spanish community? Yeah. Can we go with that? The Latino community. There we Perfect. Go. Right. Um, we got some Latino heat and uh encountered out this week. Riva la Raza, baby. <laughs> did you happen to see SmackDown this week? No, I have I I did not. No. Okay, so I'm gonna kinda pose this out to our audience. I want to know what everyone thinks about Otis week one with the money in the bank. Because for me, I, I was changed the channel bad for me. Okay. Okay. So I did see, I, I, for some reason, odd reason, what I saw, I thought was raw. Maybe it was SmackDown. I was watching um, where the, the, the main event was him and uh, Braun Strowman. Braun. Was that SmackDown? It just, it, yeah, that was oh, SmackDown. Okay. So I guess I did see part of SmackDown then. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess by teaming them up, it's supposed to tease us a little bit. Ooh, they're going to team up. Are they going to fight later? They're, he's not. If he does go after a champion, he's not going to go after a world champion. He's waiting till Tucker comes back, and he's going to go cash it in on the on the tag team champions. That that that's my new prediction. I didn't have a problem with the match. I have a problem that Otis is. You know, he's trying hard. He's he's challenging or Chris Farley, which is great, and he's very entertaining. The Money in the Bank briefcase is your very protected, for the most part, it's been very protected. Um, it's very prestigious, and they're just making it a fucking joke. I don't like it. 
I don't think he should be the Money in the Bank champion. I think they can still feature him prominently on the show without him being the Money in the Bank. I don't see him being a champion, a world champion. I barely even see them being the tag team champions, to be honest. I'm not a fan so far. They got to do something to turn it around for me. I don't want to see this treated like a joke. Do you want to know where I think slowly started the downfall of the Money in the Bank briefcase? Was which one? Was when uh, when Damian Sandow cashed in. Well, that was terrible. I think that was the yeah. the beginning of the of the slow demise of this. Uh, of this honor, whatever you want to call it. Fair. And again, I don't want to take up too much time on this because our list today, I got a lot to talk about, man. The Undertaker is the fucking phenom for a reason. We're going to go back in time and talk about a lot of cool stuff today. Mike, segue segue me into this with your last point. Okay, so um, anybody who listened to uh, my old podcast, The Last Mark, knows the name Jan Murphy. If you don't know the name Jan Murphy, uh, Jan Murphy is the uh, the the proprietor, the 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 founder of Chinlock Wrestling out in Kingston, Ontario. He's also uh, great promotion. He's also part owner of uh, Gino's Pizzeria out in uh, King uh, out in Kingston. Uh, great pizza. But before that, uh, first and foremost, Jan is a journalist. Uh, Jan worked for 20 years at the Kingston Wig. That's their their newspaper out there. Uh, maybe longer. I, I don't know exactly. At least 20 years though. Um, and, and Jan was there as the as the editor. And he only left there as editor uh, within the last year to to go uh, and try something out new and uh, bought himself a pizzeria. But uh, but Jan still writes. Uh, Jan still uh, is, is still sought after by different newspapers, and he just got uh, a gig. Uh, he was asked to write an article for the Toronto Sun, and his article oh, nice. and his article will be coming out this week. And this article is without a doubt the biggest interview of his entire career. Jan got to sit down on the phone yesterday with the Undertaker. No kidding. Right. So it doesn't. You should have told me this. I, I should have been a conference call on that. That could have really helped me with my list this week, man. <laughs> it does not get bigger than this. The, fa- the fact that Jan Murphy, and uh, I'm sure the man is far too busy uh, to, to, uh, to be listening to, to our podcast, I, I, even though I hope he does. But Jan has been such a supporter of of wrestling in this province and wrestling in general he's a massive supporter of wwe he attends this is the first year in several years he hasn't attended uh uh, wrestlemania um like as part of the the media um he goes all over the place for professional wrestling he hosts some of the biggest wrestling shows in ontario um i mean you were at you were at uh Chinlock's uh Chinlock five uh Tyler. Like yeah, what, what, show I've been to. what a huge show that was. That that's all Jan and his team. And Jan was also a huge supporter of mine. Uh when when I had my former podcast and I, he will continue to 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 I guarantee if I ever need something from him, he'll be right there for me. He got me two of my biggest guests. Uh, you know, I had Tommy Dreamer on the show before and uh Spenny Rice and, and that's all because of Jan. Uh, Jan really, really helped.
helps people, yet he never takes credit for that. Jan always thanks people for the support they give rather than say, hey, look at me, I helped. That's not who Jan is. Jan's one of the most selfless people I've ever, uh, I've ever met or seen. And uh, I just, I'm so proud of him for, for getting this because this is, this is a career achieving, uh, a, a, a career crowning moment. When you get to talk to one of the biggest, if, if not the biggest name in sports entertainment for the last 30 years. Um, so good for you, Jan, and uh, we couldn't be prouder of you, man. I will definitely give a big cheers to Jan on that one. Uh, he could be somebody that I would like to bring on to the show and, and discuss maybe on our, our new side project well, that we're talking about. Well, once uh, once the ball the, the ball starts rolling again with Chinlock 6 and he needs promoting on that, we'll get, definitely get him on the show to talk about Chinlock 6. And hopefully you'll see us at Chinlock 6 too. Oh, I hope so. I had to miss Chinlock 5 because I was fucking moving. See, I wish I wish that it was Chinlock Seven because then I could go, and that brings us to the list today. But it's Chinlock Six, so unless I cut off my number seven, then that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Well, why six? You ask. (laughs) Why six? You ask because that's how many Chinlocks there's been. (laughs) All right, I'm putting you on on notice. By the way, when that article comes out, Mike, I expect to see it on our Facebook page. Oh, most definitely. Well, uh, I'm I'm keeping my eye out for that article right away. Absolutely. Um, so, so that's the segue, man. Uh, this guy got to talk to The Undertaker, and we're going to talk about The Undertaker because my challenge to you this week was the seven greatest Undertaker story arcs of all time. And before we get into the seven greatest Undertaker story arcs of all time, we are going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, The following list, scheduled for seven picks, is brought to you by one sponsor. Introducing first, representing Freedom 55. He is the undefeated financial advisor champion of the world. The man who can manage your money and prepare for your future, Patrick Contant. For a free consultation with no obligations, call 705 358-8793 or go to www.facebook.com backslash Patrick Content Advisor for more information. Patrick Content at Freedom 55, the man you can count on who won't count you out. All right, we are back. Uh, Thank you. Money, money, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to our good friend, Mr. Finkel, on that one again. Uh, friend of the show, Jay, thank you very much. Uh, let's get into this, man. I got a lot to talk about. And I, I laughed because before we started recording this, I said, you know what, man? This is going to be a big week. Let's try to keep our news short. And we, we still went 30 minutes. We're yeah, the best. Went 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like how could you not go long on your list considering we're talking about a man who started wrestling 30, well, started wrestling in the WWE 30 years ago. Crazy, you know, right? We're only talking. We're only talking about the the Undertaker today. We're not talking about Mean Mark Callis. We're not yes. talking about the skyscrapers. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, we're not even touching his entire career. 
just the thir- the last 30 years where he portrayed this character. Did anybody else really, really portray a character like this for 30 years? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, even Hogan switched it up over the years. Now, you, there's an argument to be made that that you know the the uh, the dead man character could be it could be classified as different than the uh, American Badass. Sure. Well, and I'm going to give you a spoiler that the American Badass did not make my list today. Okay, but um, even but even if you were to say that, how long did he do the American Badass for? Five? Too long. <laughs> too long. I was not a fan of the American Badass Undertaker. You know what I mean? He he did it for about five years out of a thirty-year career. Well, and let's tip our hat where and give credit where credit's due. This man has stayed relevant. He's evolved his image over that thirty years, and he's yeah. never struck out. Even though I wasn't a fan of the Biker Undertaker, uh, the dead, the you know whatever the American Badass, it was still cool as shit. Bruce Pritchard has said uh, on his own show that. Only Mark Calloway can take this goofy, silly character and make it work for thirty fucking years. Hundred percent. You know, so let so so let's take that character, that goofy, silly character, and let's find out why it worked for thirty years, and start off with your number seven. All right, my number seven, giant. No, I'm just kidding. You piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah. My real number seven, the great Collie. Oh, just kidding. Sorry started with the real number seven here i'm going with um his storyline with the ministry of darkness yes all right we're starting off hot here we're starting off good this is one of my all-time favorites i love i love this whole this this whole this whole the faction the story everything about this um i don't know let's not say everything because it was good for me it spoke to me uh Let's be perfectly honest. Let, 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 let's let's call a spade a spade. I think I'm a, a much larger Undertaker fan than you ever were. Uh, yes, I'm. I became more of an Undertaker fan later career. Uh, right. Probably from WrestleMania 23 onward, uh, I became a. I, not that I ever disliked the Undertaker, but uh, except for the, the the biker period, I didn't like him. I thought he was squashing too many people. Um, I've become a big Undertaker fan over the last ten years. Um, one thing I will say before you go into depth about the ministry, um, I will say right now, my, out of all his, the variations of his theme songs over the years, the ministry is my favorite. Very cool one, eh? Yeah. With the strings and the guitars and it just worked so well. I love it. Um, so let's dive into the ministry. It kind of got started. Before it got started, uh, him and Austin were finishing up a feud, and he lost a buried alive match to Steve Austin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my first memory of the Ministry of Darkness um, is at the Royal Rumble in 1999 when they abducted um, um, Viscera or, was or it, Mabel at the was, time. Was it was it Mabel? For for some reason, I thought it was Midian first. But well, I, they did they did right. Midian first. Right. But my first because. Okay. In TSN on Canada, they edited a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, they did, um, yeah. So they did start with Midian. Uh, the Midian was sacrificed, you know. I think he stabbed him in the, or, or whatever sacrificial storyline yeah. he did with Midian. But Midian was the first disciple. And then the Acolytes, we were involved in that as well. And then they got Mabel. And, and they, you know, the Undertaker was basically um, 
it was like a cult kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was his ministry and of darkness. And then they brought in the brood. They right? brought in the brood. Yeah, that, that yep. was in there as well. Very short period of time. I felt Very like they didn't really fit in. Uh, they should have fit in, but I felt like it was but, off with that. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that they felt like that in the creative too, because they didn't keep the brood in there very long. But the thing that was cool though, when Taker came back after that buried alive match is, and we just talked about it, he had evolved his look again. He shaved that, yeah. that creepy goatee that he had on. He started wearing cloaks instead of the leather yeah. jacket. Like, and you and wore that hood. The hood. Exactly. Right. So you had a new look. He Taker brought, now. He brought uh, Paul Bear back as his evil, uh, you know, but even Paul Bear had changed his image a bit. You know what I mean? He yeah. was wearing like red, red t-shirts, and uh, you know, he he was he dyed his hair black again. He had been uh, going by his natural color for a while when he was uh, with mankind, and you know, as, as much as the Undertaker had evolved, so had Paul Bear. Well, and they, it was very cool to see. And they did kind of a cool thing because Taker came back and and he targeted Vince McMahon. Uh, yep. And, you know, you, it's a hilarious clip to look back on now. But when he's in the limousine, where to, Stephanie? You know, he... It's so cheesy now, but fuck, it got me back then. It well, was all great stuff back then. And he had kidnapped Stephanie, man. And that led to a great angle. That that oh. wedding angle where, where he tried to marry Stephanie McMahon on Raw. And Austin saves and the Austin day. And came out and saved it. And, and, and Vince, you know, Vince was... He was a Western, man. Fashion Western, and you had your your hero cowboy, and, and you had your villain, and it, it was all it was all there. Then tip your hat to Vince. Vince had some uh, great acting skills here. When the Undertaker lit Stephanie's teddy bear on fire, this was also, by the way, the introduction of Stephanie McMahon to the on air product, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Vin, Vince's reaction to that teddy bear being lit on fire was great. Vince looking Austin dead in the eye. Not as Vince versus Austin, but as a father after he saved Stephanie and saying, thank you, thank you. You know what I mean? Vince did yeah. some cool stuff here. And that led into his WrestleMania match with the boss man, which was a terrible match. But fucking he hung him at the end of the match. Yeah, that doesn't age well. It does, <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It doesn't age well. But what a cool visual and what an evil bastard The Undertaker is. You know what I mean? But on. I, I gotta say, it, it has nothing to do with the Undertaker, but that moment uh, that you're just talking about, where where Vince is all like, "Thank you, thank you," after he saves Stephanie, it's it's actually one of what I, I find one of my favorite funny moments. That's not meant to be funny, but I laugh every time because when when Stephanie wraps her arms around Austin and thanks and just just out of just joy that that she's free, <laughs> Austin puts his hands up like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the clip or not. It's when Raw went off the air, and you know that symbol that was leaning against the rope that, that Taker yeah. had her on? Austin yeah. grabbed a couple beers and jumped up on that thing and started surfing on it while he was crushing beers. It was very <laughs> funny to see. Um, unfortunately, so so what, what was your... Let's see if we can, we can cut this into two pieces. What was your reaction 20 years ago versus how do you feel about it now? When we're talking about the uh, the higher power, well, I'm glad that you brought it up because for me, this is where the wheels fell off of the whole thing. I thought this was cool okay. as shit. I wasn't a, like, you know what I mean. I wasn't a fan of the ministry because I was a DX guy, so that was yeah. my that's what I was wrapped up in. I loved Austin still at this time, 
but I was a DX through and through DX was the coolest shit to me when I was in, you know, high school, the higher power, great reveal, great line. It was me, Austin. It was me all along, but it made no fucking sense. And from there, this is where the angle died to me because now you have the corporate, yeah, have the ministry. corporate ministry. Get out yeah. of here. I don't want to talk about it anymore after this. So the, uh, that's where I checked out. And it wasn't long before the angle checked out as well. And I know Taker has yeah. taken time off after this. Um, now let's, let's give one thing to, to the ministry. And we you already touched on it a bit, but we need to give it some credit. This was the resurgence of a lot of careers I think may have fallen flat. They wouldn't have known what to do with these guys. Absolutely. Take a look at the run, run down the roster and see where they went after the ministry. Well, that's it. Viscera got a whole new career because of the ministry. Yeah. May, no one gave a fuck about Mabel anymore. No, he Mabel was, he was not done. And, and they turned him into Viscera. And Viscera went on to have another good 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so, so that was great for Viscera. Um, that's not the the brood the brood went on to do what they did because they're edging christian and i was gonna bring up them next the acolytes are arguably you have to talk about them when you're talking about the best tag teams of the attitude era right yeah yeah they're up there for sure definitely you have to talk about sure they weren't you know you know that big until they become the APA, but you don't get the APA without the A part. <laughs> you know you need you know you need them to start off as the acolytes, and they were two big scary motherfucking dudes, right? But then their careers went on after this. You know, Bradshaw turned into JBL. Farouk yeah. went damn, like all that stuff is over, like Rover, man. Yeah, they uh, and, and even you know I'm not gonna take anything away from Midian. Um, you know, up until then, he, you know, he was Phineas, he, he was Phineas old Godwin. That was going to, that, that was getting stale and old. And then, uh, he was part of, uh, Southern justice under his real name. Um, Dennis Knight. That De- was he Dennis. I always mixed uh, the two up. Yeah. He was, he was Dennis Knight. Mark, Mark Canterbury was Henry. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, it, it was Mark and Dennis as, uh, a Southern Justice, and you knew that wasn't going to go fucking anywhere. Um, and they're like, okay, well, what do you do with this guy? And it's either you do something like this, or you cut him loose, like they obviously did with Cat- uh, Cattenbury. Um, hey, he got a, he, he got a European title him. reign out of this. Yes. He missed you our t- list. You he just he, missed my number seven on that. He fit He fit this uh, this this weird character very well as the, the this brainwashed cult figure um and then from that you know you, you somehow you get a comedy gimmick out of him too in naked minion yeah he hung around yeah uh you know you, you introduce the hardcore title and he's part of that scene for a while and it, every everybody who was touched by the ministry were better off because of it i i find well, and this was also the last time that you got to see The Undertaker be evil for a long time because he, he took some time yeah. off to fix his bicep up, I believe. And, yeah. and he came back as the biker, right? And then when he and then even then when he would try his heel runs, he has what uh what one of my closest friends, Ray, he deemed as uh he calls he calls it uh the Ric Flair disease. 
where he he was finally at that point in his career where just like Ric Flair, no matter what he would do to try to get heat, people were going to fucking cheer him. Unless he was in there with The Rock or Hogan. You know, well, that, yeah. But 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 isn't that right? You know what I mean? Like like Ric Flair could go outside, could go in the ring right now and rape a baby, and people would be woo. Do you want to know why I didn't like that version of the Undertaker? I have a I have a moment that I, I pinpointed. I'm a massive Tommy Dreamer, Mark, and I always have been. I loved ECW, but Tommy Dreamer, I just you know he was the everyday like you just respect the passion of Tommy Dreamer, right? Yeah, and he he was the tough guy. He would never give up. The Undertaker made him tap out to a dragon sleeper, and I was so furious when it happened. I'm going to be honest with you. I was okay with that for one main reason. The dragon sleeper is one of my favorite submission holds in history, and Just, and that and, and that's mainly because of uh, because of Owen. Owen was using it back in '98, and I loved it. I just got to tell you, I held that against the Undertaker for many, many years. That moment where he made Tommy Dreamer tap out because I was such a believer that Tommy Dreamer could never quit. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Hey, what do you think? You got All anything right. else yes, about ministry? No, no, no. We, we, we hit the ministry hard, man. Uh, what's your number six? I'm going with his storyline with Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes. We touched on this briefly back on... Episode two, man. Yeah. What was Check the... Out. What were we talking about? Just moments, right? Best best moments that happen on an interview show. Nice, right, right, right. So we yeah. talked about we talked about Jake at, at the uh, the funeral parlor and and the Undertaker dragging the casket behind him. But we have to talk about everything that led up to that. The yeah. the, the Randy Savage involvement, the, uh, the 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 face turn for Undertaker. Oh, um, it, you know, it started Russell before that. You know, there's so much there's so much to unpack here. Oh, and go back even further than that. This started with Jake's heel turn when he turned on the Ultimate Warrior. That's right. That's right. They could. Right? And they were doing those goofy, they were doing these awesome vignettes where, like, Jake would bury the warrior up to his neck in a cemetery. You know, he was trying to test him to, because he was trying to teach him how to get in touch with his dark side to fight the Undertaker. Yeah. And it turns out they were in cahoots the whole time, right? From there, they go on to ruin Macho Man's wedding. How dare they? You know what I mean? So they were aligned together at first, which I really liked. And right. then as we as we talked about, I'm not going to go into too much more detail because we talked about on the show already. The awesome segment where Taker turns face after he saved Macho Man from the chair and then the funeral part of the segment, which was really outstanding. Um, it holds up to this day. And we're talking, well, we're, we're talking over 25 years ago. Whose side are you on? Not yours. I agree. You know, Jake laid still, out Paul Bearer. Still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And this was cool, too, because this led into Undertaker's WrestleMania match against Jake the Snake. This was the first meaningful WrestleMania match that The Undertaker ever had. This is his first one with a storyline. You know what I mean? He fought yes. Snooker the year before. So this was like... And and, yeah. and this was also the write-off to Jake the Snake. Jake, I think, tried to hold up Vince for more money or something like that. And yeah. Jake got fired after this match. And and they laid him out. Tombstone on the floor made Taker look great. Um, mm-hmm. Jake Jake gave Taker that rub. And then he went on to go to WCW after. Um, this was a great feud. Very underrated. Uh, there's not a whole lot more I can say about it. Uh, go back and check out some of, the, some of these segments between these guys. So it's two creepy fuckers. Creeping out everybody. 
It is, without a doubt, I'm going to say the two greatest psychologists in the history of the sport. Yeah, yeah, they're two of the best for sure. Tell me somebody who has better psychology than Jake Roberts. Um, off the top of my head. Well, what, what what way are you talking about psychology? Are you talking about just everything? Psychology? That man, in both of them, both Jake and the Undertaker, are one hundred percent pros at making I've, I've got, sure that everything counts. I've everything. Got two, I've got two names that come to my mind right away. Okay. That, okay. That's, uh, Bret Hart and Arn Anderson. And I'm going to say that neither room touches Jake. Jake and that's Jake's not on because... a different level. You know what? And I will say this before we move on from Jake. Right yeah. before we started recording, um, AEW on, on this Wednesday, that's the go-home show for their Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Um, yeah. Aaron Anderson and Jake the Snake do a sit-down promo against each other, and it is outstanding. I'll have to check that out. I highly recommend. I know you're not a big AEW fan, but but Jake is really starting to come into his own, and Arn Anderson always has it on the microphone. Well, I, you know what? And I gave thought, I'm like, you know, I should probably check out Double or Nothing. I looked into ordering it and saw that it was sixty fucking dollars, and I thought maybe all of a sudden it was fucking nineteen ninety eight again. I said, fuck that. Yeah, it's expensive. I get it. Like, AEW's not making the money they are. So I get why they're going ahead with it. It's it's a tough sell. They're not, I, I don't disagree with it because they're a business and they're hurting right now. Um, it's just hard. It's a hard sell right now. It really is. I'll tell you something that was not a hard sell. Number five went with the rated R superstar, Edge. Yeah. These guys had a banger of a feud, and it was a long. Um, this uh, feud started with Edge cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase against The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. That was, and, and this was also a feud, and it was my original number seven until I, I, I forgot about, I didn't forget about Jake, but I missed him on my notes when I was going, I, the way I make my list is I, I make a big, big, long list of what I think could be on my list, and then I make my numbers from there. And I missed Jake when I was doing my numbers. My original number seven, I had Batista. So this was the end of his Batista feud, or maybe the middle of his Batista feud, sorry. And Edge comes and cashes in the money in the bank. Um, and then there was a timeout, though, because, because Taker took time off for a torn bicep again. And this feud really kicked off again at Survivor Series that year when Edge interfered in the Hell in a Cell match against Batista. Yeah. Um, the next month, Edge wins the world title at Armageddon in a triple threat match with those guys. Uh, Taker wins the Elimination Chamber that year to set up their incredible WrestleMania 24 main event. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, these guys tear the house down. And it was cool because it was kind of built as undefeated at WrestleMania against undefeated at WrestleMania because neither guy had lost at the time. Right. Um, Edge was at probably, I'd say, was doing the finest work of his career at this point. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they fought again at Backlash, which Taker won. Um, Vicky Guerrero then stripped the Undertaker of the world title because he used uh, the, the Hell's Gate move, which was illegal. Um, so they fought again at Judgment Day. So now we're on a third pay-per-view with these guys. Uh, Edge, or sorry, Undertaker wins by countout. 
Well, then Vicky Guerrero says, well, you can't win the world title by uh, by a countout. So we're going to go one more pay-per-view, one night stand, TLC match, uh, Edge and Taker, Undertaker career being on the line, and Edge gets the win. We don't see Taker for a bit. Uh, great match again. And then, you know, Edge being Edge, the cocky fucker heel, pisses off Vicky Guerrero, yeah. who says, you know what? Forget it, buddy. Guess what? I'm bringing the Undertaker back, and you guys are fighting in a hell in a cell. Let me tell you something, man. Only three times in WrestleMania history did I ever say this guy's gonna gonna break break the streak. Okay, Orton, Edge, Orton, Edge, and, and uh, Michaels at twenty five. Oh, you thought Michaels was gonna yes, do I it? Did. Eh? I truly did. I, I I bid on the first two, Orton and Edge. Um, or Orton, and looking back now, Orton, right guy, wrong time. The streak, the streak getting broken at, tw- at WrestleMania twenty one would have been way too early. Yeah. However, um, but the fact that you know, just a few years later, you know, that's at twenty one. Then then at twenty four, I I'm saying if Orton couldn't do it, the only person left to do it is Edge. And when Edge didn't do it, I thought it was never going to happen. I heard a rumor that they they wanted to put Edge over, and Edge said no. I heard the same rumor, and I believe it 100%. Um, That's a lot of pressure, man. Oh, yeah. You know, it would have been easier. It would have been way easier for Orton at 21. When the the streak was just starting to get its momentum, like it, we'd only been really talking about the streak for a couple of years at that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. But by twenty four, the streak was all had, was a character of its own. You know, the this that by then the streak was a fucking title, and that's not something you want to fuck with. So uh, I don't uh, blame Edge at all. When- when CM Punk fought The Undertaker, they had to have a fatal four-way match on Raw to determine who would fight The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's how much power the street mm-hmm. had. Exactly. Um, a great, great blow-off to this feud as well in the Hell in the Cell. These guys beat the hell out of each other, uh, ending with The Undertaker chokeslamming Edge through the ring uh, with the flames shooting yeah, up. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, this was a good feud. Yeah, man. This, one, this one gets lost in the shuffle of, of The Undertaker. No, I, great, great choice. Uh, I I don't know if I would have had the uh, the sense to think about it myself, but uh, you're definitely not wrong. I did my research this week, man. Undertaker's Wikipedia page is long, and I read most <laughs> of it. If it's not on, if it's on Wikipedia, it's got to be true. Right? Well, that's the truth. So, what does we what what does Wikipedia tell you about your number four? Wikipedia tells me that we are going to the land of the rising sun and we're going to talk about Yokozuna. All right. Definitely, definitely on my list. It was actually my top three. uh, If uh, when I was just scribbling shit down, but uh, I'm glad to hear it's on your list, man. This was, um, this was a cool feud, man. It kind of got kicked off leading up to survivor series 93. When Taker joined that, that Lex Luger team. Uh, him and Yoko kind of took each other out and, and the double count out there. And that was kind of the 
kind of the start of Taker getting a title shot against Yokozuna, mm-hmm. right? Um, something that I love about when these guys work together is the spot where Yokozuna would take the Undertaker and ram his head into the steel steps. And the Undertaker would sit there for about a yeah. second and then just pop his face up and, and give him that Undertaker scare. And, and Yokozuna was scared out of his mind. Yoko was um, such a good actor. It, and people well, people it, was, it, it was cool. It was cool to see Yokozuna show fear. Uh, anytime that the word casket was mentioned, he was very scared. And the build-up to the Rumble 94 point. Um, leading up to the Rumble 94 match, when everyone laid out the Undertaker, uh, I got to give a, a shout out to Adam on our oh, Facebook page. Had a great point. Up, yeah, yeah, it was a great point that he brought up. This was the first time, and and he said for the Undertaker, but I'm going to say for both of these guys, this was the first time that either one of them um, is showed any weakness. Yeah. Right, Yoko showed fear, which he had never shown before. Taker got laid out, which he had never. Uh, sure, maybe next. Maybe next to Giant Gonzalez laying him out that one yeah. time, but but other than that, like Taker, Taker never been gone for a long period of time. No, and, and sure, you can play devil's advocate. You could say, "Oh yeah, but it took the entire locker room to put him down." Sure, but they that's but great. they still but got him great. the fuck down, right? And, and, and in a big way, they put him in that the whole the theatrics of it. Sure, does it age well? No, it's easy as fuck. But listen, what year was that? 1993? 94. Right. 94. So, you know, at that point in time, I I don't know about you. You're probably like 10. I'm a 13-year-old kid. All right. Yeah. It was badass. <laughs> and I, I, you know what? I thought it was cool, too, like when they opened up the urn and oh, all that green mist yes. was coming out. That was like the Undertaker's spirit being drained. Once that urn opened up, he was done. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, and now I'm going to segue a little bit here because it didn't make my list and it was really close to making my list. But this goes into kind of a fun period for The Undertaker where um, the Million Dollar Man, he had a, a long feud with the Million Dollar Corporation yes. after this. Yeah. Um, um, you know, because their, their blow off matches at Survivor Series 94. But before we get to Survivor Series 94, we have Undertaker versus Undertaker. And say what you will, and I know it looks stupid when they get in the ring, but the idea that the Million Dollar Man went out, who we spoke about last week, and and, and you mentioned, we both forgot to mention that he was responsible for the Undertaker. I can't, I, and I did, I, I texted you after the show saying, fuck, we missed something huge here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so the Million Dollar Man made his own Undertaker with his money. You know what I mean? Which is cool. And if you listen to last week's show, uh, we talked about this too. It's it's kind of funny and ironic that the guy who hired somebody to look like Dave Hebner also hired somebody to look like The Undertaker. (laughs) That's right. Well, he didn't he didn't hire them. He paid for them to get reconstructed surgery because he has a lot of money. Um. But you know what? The, the whole the whole buildup to that was kind of cool, and it got a little quirky. You know, Leslie Nielsen was involved, which I love because I'm a Leslie Nielsen mark. I thought the Naked Gun movies. Were I can't. Hilarious. I can't call you wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? But it it led up to a new look Undertaker. He did yes. Purple. And then one of my favorite things is when uh, when Paul Bear comes out and he takes the lid off that urn 
and the light yeah, shoots the light out. Going, it was yeah, so it cool. Was, yeah. It was cool. The match sucked. The match oh, yeah. sucked. Oh, and it was the blow off. And, and, we, and we laugh and we make fun of it, you know, all these years later, almost 30 years later. But everything on paper, there was nothing wrong with that story. No, it was great. And then, you know, and Taker blows off his feud with Yokozuna with the uh, casket match at Survivor Series with Chuck Norris. So here's my Jeff question. Garrett. Are those two uh, casket matches? Which one do you prefer? Okay. The first one. Nobody remembers. Doesn't matter what, whether you remember it. People remember it. I'm asking which one is better. Okay. The first one. Because nobody, because like nobody remembers the backlash triple threat match between Triple H, uh, Chris Benoit, and Shawn Michaels, but it was better than the WrestleMania match. Listen, if you got to sketch out Marty Jannetty being hung up to the rafters, the first one's always better. <laughs> um, but, but I the, thought the, we were going to go a like show without talking about Marty make... Jannetty. No, and I'm not going to bring up his latest <laughs> comments on Twitter about trying to figure out if the girl is 20 or not. I'm not going to do that. Um, but I like his I like his spinoff feud with the Million Dollar Corporation here as well. Um, you know, he got into it with IRS the next year's uh, WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, and then King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania, where Kama stole the urn, uh, built up to the casket match at SummerSlam. So he was tied up the whole next year as well in a fun little feud with the Million Dollar Corporation, which started at, at SummerSlam. It did not make my list, however. That is not my number three. Okay. Wow. All right. So what is your number three? Well, I'm glad you asked. My number three is the return of WrestleMania 20. Yeah, WrestleMania 20, but it starts. Yes, let's let's go back right here when he's when he is uh, in feuding with Vince McMahon, and my God, did Vince McMahon? Jesus, he murdered Vince in this match. It is the maybe second bloodiest match I've ever seen in my entire life. Vince oh, yeah. hit a gusher. I, um, I, I don't know if he, you fucking, know, and then, if he if he snapped a vein or something like that when he bladed, but Jesus, it was bad. Yeah, it was crazy. Maybe next to Eddie Guerrero on Judgment Day is the biggest yeah. blade job that I've seen. Um, or maybe some new jack work on the oh, mass geez. transit, but that doesn't that, count. That was totally different. Yeah. God bless, God bless me, Jack. Um, so they had a very live match. Kane actually gets mm-hmm. involved out of nowhere and and costs the Undertaker and buries him alive. Um, but now Undertaker's gone; he's been buried alive. But you get these little teases yeah. every week. Um, you know, maybe the lights flickering one week mm-hmm. at the Royal Rumble before Spike Dudley made his entrance. The lights Dude, went out. Do you gone. remember that moment? Do you remember watching the Royal Rumble? And that happening. Oh, I lost was, my shit. Such a such awesome. a perfect moment. Um, getting closer to WrestleMania, uh, I don't know if it was the go-home or the week before the go-home around then. Uh, Undertaker actually made the, the ring move. You know, that was a great mm-hmm. moment. Yep. I, I really think it's safe to say that this angle peaked perfectly. We they laid it out every we week with the tease. Yeah, and every week with yeah. the little tease. And then when he finally did come out at WrestleMania 20, he comes out 
well, Paul Bear oh. comes out first. And oh, the, the Druids, Druids did come out, out first. first. But then Paul Bear comes out. Right? The and we weren't expecting Paul Bear. No, well, not at all. And you heard that. Oh, Paul yeah. Bear. So, you know, in yeah, place Paul Bear hadn't funny. been involved with The Undertaker since before The American Badass. So this is years yeah. we haven't seen Paul Bear. And he comes out and he looks just like the way we, we remember Paul Bear. And, he, and we're talking babyface Paul Bear. You know, he looks just like him. And he comes out with the urn and we hear the oh yes over the, over the speaker. And he comes out and he's looking in the ring and goes, you're no son of mine. It, it, was, it was perfect, man. Yeah. Everything was perfect. Unfortunately, um, if you want to compare this match to their match at WrestleMania 14, I think it falls short. Hundred percent does it did, but the match no, the match, the, didn't, the, the match didn't the have moment. to be great. The story that they told from November to April was fucking perfect. So you mentioned the WrestleMania fourteen match. Um, which entrance did you prefer better? Because you liked the match at fourteen better, twenty or fourteen? Because they they 20. both had the truths. 20 yeah. was a spectacle. Yeah. It was it was incredible. And, you know, and I think it took Taker a little bit of time, though, to find his footing after this, right? Uh, to, to get back into dead man mode. Because I think he knew that he couldn't go back to be zombie yeah. Undertaker again no. after being the badass. So he was kind of this weird mix in the middle for a little bit. And, and it took him a few months. You know, he had a a pretty bad feud with Booker T and then he had that terrible angle with, with the Dudley boys and Paul Heyman and he had a flop feud with JBL after that as well but after that is you know Taker really found his footing and found that perfect blend and, and he took off I think he did the best work of his career after this uh, I, I think once he finally figured out who he was again then, then you're right yeah but oh that, that Dudley boy angle was fucking garbage Oh, mm-hmm. listen, I know we brought back Paul Bear for the whole WrestleMania thing, but how do we get rid of him now? I don't know. Um, kill him? Yeah, yep, yep. We got to kill him. What, what's worse, when, when the Dudley boys kill him or when Edge killed him by pushing him off the chair? Off the I do remember that. But, the, at least, but at least that was like... Uh, I, I think that I like that. I like the cement Kill, killing him, uh, having the whole thing just didn't make sense. Having the Undertaker do it, having Undertaker walk over, and be like, "I can't have you anymore. You're a fucking, you're you're a liability. You you make me weak. I'm gonna kill you." It just it was stupid. It made no sense. So what you're saying is that my I need a new number. No, one shut because... the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your number three? Yeah. That was three. I, I'm getting three. frightened because you've left things and I just don't know where you can go from here. Well, now you're again, this list is storylines. Yeah, it's not his best programs, it's not his best matches, it's just storylines. So there's some things that should be on here that are not on here. Uh, if you want to look at it from his best career work, uh, I would I would not have the Ministry of Darkness on on this list if I was going by his best. No, no, no. We're we are talking story arcs. We're talking about we're 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 talking. You know, you can you can use feuds in there, but we are talking the stories that were told. 
using this Undertaker character. And yeah. so far, from number seven to number three, you've hit it on on on, on the head. You're you're using perfect examples. But I can't help but think that if there's only two there's, left, there's some that I would have chosen. I'd, there's no way you brought on. Yeah, there there are two glaring ones that I've left off my list. I've told you one of them already. Yeah. It's Batista. You will give me heat when I tell you the second one, uh, which we will talk about in the honorable mention category after I give okay. you my number one. My number two is his feud with Mankind. Okay, so here's my question for you. He's had more than one feud with Mankind. So are we starting mm-hmm. in, are we going 1996? You know what, though? Because it's not, he didn't really. They're very different he feuds. Didn't... I broke this up that he's had two different right. feuds with Mankind okay. that are worth talking about. And I'm not even going to say I'm not even going to say that the second one is a feud because he did not have a feud with mankind leading no, to the king of the no, ninety eight ninety eight. If you want to call it a feud, you can, but you're right. It, 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 and even if it does, it doesn't touch his ninety six feud. No, to me, their feud ends at uh, it, it begins the night yes. after WrestleMania twelve, and it ends uh, in your house, Revenge of the Taker. Now, before you, you, you go on, we're going to talk about this feud. Is it fair to say, or do you disagree with me, that Mankind is Undertaker's greatest opponent ever? Um, I don't mean the matches they've had. I just mean the chemistry, the stories, everything that they did back and forth, back and forth through all those years. Is there anybody when you think of the when when you have to close your eyes and say the Undertaker versus? For me, it's mankind. Yeah, I, I there's four names that come to my mind here, yeah. and mankind is one of them. Maybe even three names. As far as just in ring goes, there's three names that come to my mind, and mankind is on that list for sure. Now we'll, we'll revisit this conversation because I'm sure your number your number one has to be on this list, right? Uh, those three? No, no, it's not. No, not not for in rings, not for in ring at all. You're talking about just storylines. Hmm. Okay. Let's let's not jump too far ahead. Let's uh, talk about mankind. Makes his debut at the Undertaker's expense the night after yes. WrestleMania. We, 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 get, we get a bunch of mankind that night. He comes out. Uh, he has a match uh, yeah. against Paul Holly, Holly and makes a name for himself right off because right away you're just like what the fuck is this guy and then as Undertaker is wrestling later on uh, was it the main event of the night I believe it was yeah, yeah he fought uh, and, uh, Mankind comes back out and he attacks the Undertaker you know now you, you, want to be, you, hear me, you hear me banging these off that? by the way Mike you hear me banging those names off I'm ready for the Howard Finkel Cup if you're putting me in <laughs> All right. Now, he, uh, you want to make a name for yourself, especially in 1996 when you're debuting? You want to go after the big dog? Yeah, you fucking go after The Undertaker. You better be able to back that up. You better be able to go out and have one hell of a fucking feud. And God damn it, did Mick Foley do that? Hundred percent, man. He laid out the Undertaker. Uh, 
Taker hadn't been laid out at that point since. Um, and they would go on to have a bunch of matches scattered between um, Russell, uh, the night after WrestleMania. The, you know, they would go all the way up until SummerSlam, where they would have uh, the Boiler Room Brawl, which we talked a couple weeks ago. Uh, you, me, and Jay talked about the Boiler Room Brawl, and it's one of my personal favorites. I love this match. And, uh, you know, and then right as maybe if anybody was thinking that this feud was coming to an end, it got reborn in one night because all of a sudden the uh, Paul Bear switches sides and, and, and breathes new life into the whole thing. And then, you know, a couple months later, they, they do it all again, except this time it's the very first ever buried alive match. Um, and, and they breathe new life into it again by bringing out Terry Gordy in a fucking mask. Oh. Yeah, and you're banging out all of my points right now. Um, my, my favorite match, and we've talked about this, and I know you just, I, I believe you just mentioned it, King of the Ring 96. Yeah. Yeah. They killed it. The intensity in that match, and like, and like you said, you know, um, um, Paul Bearer's little accidental hitting the Undertaker with the urn there and costing mankind yep. the match, or sorry, costing the Undertaker the match, and then you you nailed it. The Boiler and Brawl, which I know and you said before is one of your favorite matches of all time, uh, and then into the Buried Alive, where um, after after the Buried Alive match, and and you you nailed it with Terry Gordy as well. Is that is um, that, is that uh, one of your top three guys? Was the Executioner on there? Or? Yeah, obviously, Kali <laughs> Gonzalez yeah. execution. Man, but one match, whatever the next pay per view was, I think uh, I think Undertaker and Executioner had one match, and then we never saw Terry Gordy again. Yes, that was the end of him. Um, but something something cool, and I might have missed this when you were talking because my cat was having a wrestling match with an ant, and it was really entertaining me, so I zoned out for a second. Um, uh, the Undertaker at Survivor Series 96 after the Buried Alive, the rebirth of the Undertaker coming down oh, from the roof. How cool with was the that? Wings and the, and his yeah. leather gear. Uh, and then after that, and that was, was November, that, December. He fought was that when he um, debuted the tear tattoo? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was uh, that was cool times for the Undertaker, and uh, it was the start of a hell of a career for Mick Foley. Oh, hundred percent, it was. Um, they also have a match that gets forgotten about all the time, and it's at In Your House Revenge yeah. of the Taker. Because um, to me, that was only a couple months after after their Survivor Series match, you know. Because Taker would go on to win the world title uh, the, the following WrestleMania. So you're talking December, he wraps up with the Executioner. January and February, he's tied up with Vader. March is his world title win. And then in April, he's right back with Mick Foley. The night after WrestleMania 13, one year later after his debut, he's throwing a fireball exactly. in his face. All right? So to me, that's where their feud ended. Foley took the header. Uh, and and you know, Jay from a, from a couple of weeks ago, our, our good friend of the show, Jay from Dark Side of the Ring, this is one of his favorite matches. This is his, this is his favorite pay-per-view of all time. So, Mr. Finkel, Jay, shout out to you, my friend. Uh, that header that he takes to the table, to me, that's where the feud ended. When, when That's where that feud ended, and that's a perfect segue 
if you have nothing more to say about mankind to my number one. Yeah, um, you're, you're, I have an idea what your number one is. And if it's not what I think it is, I think you're just wrong. <laughs> but go for okay. it. My number one Undertaker storyline of all time is with Paul Barry. Yeah. How could it not be? How could it, it not has, has to be? And I was getting I, I was getting I was getting worried. That's why I said this after your 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 one before about WrestleMania twenty. I was really worried that because you already used a Kane storyline that you weren't going to use a, uh, use it again. I didn't know if you used to. So I'm glad to hear that you have because I think they're both great stories. Um, and let's, they're two very different. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We got to talk about the elephant in the room first of all. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker are not on my list. And I know a lot of people are going to be upset about that. And the build up, the build up to the WrestleMania 26 match was. A- if this was a top 10 list, we'd probably be talking about it. It's not a top 10 list, it's a top seven. And you didn't mention one feud that deserves to be pushed for the, for the Shawn Michaels uh, story. I'm sorry. Um, now, if you're telling me to pick uh, top Undertaker oh. matches, there's three names. Three three guys that I said to you that yeah. I think about is yeah. Mankind, is yeah. Shawn Michaels, and is Batista. Okay, see, and that's why I thought your uh, your number one would be on there because I think of Kane. I do. Um, they made yeah, sure. They didn't have the best, te- you know, they didn't have like great technical matches or anything like that. But I think their uh, I think their matches were always entertaining. It always always told a great story. And I'm seeing it. It's it's, and I'm, it's funny yeah. you say that because I hated. I I don't like oh, any okay. of their matches. I've never liked the Undertaker and Kane right. against each other, except for maybe WrestleMania I, I, 14. I, I love their 14 one. match. Um, and I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this, uh, and, and not only from you, but probably from everybody listening, and that's fine. But uh, I'll push Shawn Michaels and pull on Triple H. I, I'm sorry. I said there it is. I said it. Pardon. Can you repeat that one more time, please? <laughs> I would place Shawn Michaels with Triple H on that top three list. You're trying to tell me that the guys who had the greatest match, one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time, at WrestleMania 25 who have had the greatest finishing sequence to a Royal Rumble of all time, who had one of the most exciting beginning sequences to a Royal Rumble of all time, who had the best Hell in a Cell match of all time, then you're going to bump him for Triple H. Okay, maybe I bump Kane for Triple H. Now that you put it like that. Okay, I will continue (laughs) to do this podcast with you again. Because I almost had to pull my girlfriend. I almost had to pull my girlfriend in on this one. What? What? You almost got replaced. You almost got replaced. (laughs) Yeah, great. If your girl, if I'm gonna get replaced by your girlfriend (laughs) next week, it's gonna be the top seven hillbilly gym fucking. (laughs) (laughs) She's in the background. Huge pop on that one by her. We. If my if my girlfriend did come on this show, it would every week it would either be 
the top seven hillbilly gym or the top <laughs> seven Ronda well, why not both <laughs> why not both? <laughs> uh, and it's it's funny i'm watching her try to be quiet i think i just think it's cute that she thinks that ronda rousey had seven moments oh <laughs> oh oh you're getting you're she gonna take some heat seven off matches for, for one, fuck's sake <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, not, you're not wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on Ronda. I, I love uh, Ronda, but uh, you know, she she hasn't quite hit that mark yet. She did change the game, though, man. Ronda Ronda did some oh, crazy well, shit. If we're talking UFC, yeah, sure. Nah, man. WWE too. She she is the reason why women main evented WrestleMania. We would have got there without her eventually. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. But Rhonda, Rhonda's special. There's something about Rhonda. Either way. Conversation for another time. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck we got on Rhonda Rousey. Jim from, now, from Kane. We have discussed in the right. past. We have discussed in the so, past like, how much and I think you agree with me. How much I love a long, drawn out, perfectly told story. And, you know, with maybe the exception of the Hart Brothers story, you don't get better than Kane and the Undertaker. Yeah. This is you one know, of the it best starts ones. pretty much at the tail end of the one we, we just talked about. You know, we're talking about, uh, we're ta- talking about Mankind and uh, Undertaker. As soon as that one starts going a little stale, you know, the... Paul Bear starts, uh, he wants to get back with The Undertaker now. And... Well, wait, before we get there, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you remember how the end of that feud with uh, the end of that match at Revenge of the Taker ended? I thought my head the final no. spot no, of that was? It was The Undertaker burning okay, I Paul couldn't Bear's remember if it was that show or not, but yes. And then, you know, and, and then shortly after that, we started seeing, I, I, I alluded to this before. You know, uh, we started seeing Paul Bear without all that black, uh, uh, that all that that makeup he used to wear, and uh, you know, with, without the hair dye, and that's right, and all that. Yeah, this was it, the start of that. It was the start of that because he, he had his blonde hair. Because he would he come no out, makeup on anymore. Uh, from this point on, he would come out with all the bandages on his face. And after and after he took the bandages off, he, yes. he had his natural hair color, and there was no makeup on and no mustache. No, yeah, he was. That yeah. was a brand new. And, you know, and he would there. and he would start dressing a little differently. He was dressing a little bit more casually, and then uh, and then he started um, bribing the Undertaker. I guess you could say, right? Basically, basically saying that. Yeah. I, now, now you might remember this better because I I couldn't find it and I don't remember well, off the top of my head. How did he get way, control of Taker? What was what was it? He had a secret. He had a secret about the He started right? saying, I, you know, you're going to bring me back, and you're and I and." Taker saying, no, why would I do that? And he's like, I know something. I know a secret from you, uh, about you from way back then, and blah, blah, blah. And Taker started giving in and started letting them happen, uh, letting it happen. And then finally, you know, he got pissed off, said, no, this isn't going to happen. And he, I think, and he attacked the uh, Paul Bear. And then Paul Bear started letting it slip. Oh, I, I talked to Kane. I talked to Kane last night. Yeah. 
He's alive! But even then, it was still months before we saw Kane. Months! No. Well, and and let's not forget, too, that The Undertaker was the world champion during all of this. Right? So so he's having a great run. uh, I guess we should have brought that up. That's why the you know Paul Bear wants back, right? Because now his boy has the te- the, right. the title. Well, he wants to be champion. So so. Well, in the original, the original secret that Paul Bear had, though, now I'm, it's coming back to me. It wasn't that Kane was still alive. It was that the Undertaker exactly. murdered his family. With yeah, fire. and then remember, uh, Taker finally. If I tell me if I'm not remembering this right. But I believe Ticker came out one night at Raw and he said, all right, well, he's going to tell the story anyway, so I might as well do it. Yeah, and then I, I just remember Taker paintbrushing the shit out of Paul Bearer yeah. against the post on the outside. Yeah. Uh, that, that fat man could take a fucking uh, bump, I'll give you that. He sure could. And and you got to remember, this was, in, uh, the, this was right before Taker lost yeah. the belt in August, I believe. Because Paul Bear interfered, it's very forgotten. But Paul Bear made an appearance and got punched out during his SummerSlam match. Oh, that's right. right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Right. So that's August. Now you're talking September. Taker's feuding with Shawn Michaels, but he's got Paul Bear in the background. Now you're leading into Hell in a Cell and the debut of Kane. And um, just to tip my cap a little bit on your list for next week. Um, does Kane have one of the greatest debuts of all time? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. You don't talk about debuts and not talk about Kane. Um, We're going to put the, that to the test next week. Everything. The visual. Okay. First, you have the visuals. Okay. The red lights. Uh, uh, you know, this big monstrous man in this mask and this suit walking to the ring with, with Paul Bear. With, with a mission and before he even gets to the ring that fucking sound bite it has been over 20 years and that sound bite lives on Vince McMahon saying that's gotta be that's gotta be that's gotta be Kane that's gotta be Kane 20 years yeah, later that uh, still and... rings out and it still lives on it's such a pivotal and iconic moment in sports entertainment. When Kane got to the got to the cell and ripped the door off like it was a piece of fucking paper. You know, you sat there and your jaw mm-hmm. dropped. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? And then he gets in the ring. Not only does he go face to face with the Undertaker, he's fucking taller. Than the Undertaker, we hadn't seen that oh, yeah. since WrestleMania Nine. Who did he fight at WrestleMania Nine, Mike? Uh, Terry Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Say his name. Bro, I'm it. pretty sure if you say his name three times, he appears in the in the mirror. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this out here one time. Okay, give me heat for it all you want. The Giant Gonzalez matches were awful, and, and you know him visually was awful. They did a not bad job of telling those stories, though those matches. And Gonzalez had a great debut at Rumble '93. 
he he beat he was the first guy that laid Taker out ever. He was believable. He will not be on my list next week. No, that that debut was great though, man. Um, you talk about putting somebody over. Yes, no, I get you. I I I understand what you're saying. It's just and and then as your your man Bruce Pritchard Bruce Pritchard says, yeah, and then the exactly. battles. Um, but getting back to bad blood, um, you know, seeing we can't take anything away from the Undertaker because the Undertaker has a lot to do with this debut. He, the under the look on Undertaker's face tells such a story, and if you didn't already believe this that this guy was serious, you believed it now because you saw a fear in Undertaker's face for the first time, maybe ever. Yeah, it's not disbelief. Just insane. He did such a good job selling this. Did Undertaker, um, and then and then this would just go on. You know, it, it was a the story would get a little sloppy uh, because you know it would go on. No, I will not be. Uh, I will not wrestle my brother. I will not wrestle my brother. Oh, by the way, we're friends now. Oh, no, we're not. I will not wrestle my brother. Okay, I'm going to wrestle my brother. You know. But you know what? Let's let's talk a little bit about that in just a little bit more detail, though. That's October where Kane debuts. They don't fight so until WrestleMania, which is the right. end of March, yeah, exactly. early April, right? And what, and what, I mean, Taker, what does Kane like Because I don't think Kane loses a match, does he? I think Kane only had one match, to be honest, that whole time. On really? TV, at least. For some odd reason, in my head... He, I remember him just coming on a run every couple of weeks and squashing people. Like I remember him squashing the Hardy, the Hardy Boys, and yeah, but they weren't matches though. The Hardy, like they were supposed yeah. to be matches, and before the other opponent would come in, the lights would go out and Kane would come out. It was really cool what they were doing, man. He would just come out and lay these yeah. guys out. It was, it's like it's like when those when you heard that organ play, oh yeah, everybody knew. I, oh man, I'm. Fuck. It's kind of like what they were doing with yes. Bray Wyatt when, yeah. when he first came back and was doing, you know, that light show. It was yeah. very, Which very is similar kind of cool, to that. One of the first victims of yeah. that was Kane. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Full circle. Right? Um, but like you said, though, Taker flat out refused to fight his brother. Uh, in November, The Undertaker was not on Survivor Series. December, he fights Jeff Jarrett at In Your House, Degeneration X. Kane gets involved, smacks him around. Taker won't hit him back. The only thing Taker did, though, and it was a tease, is he grabbed his arm to be like, yeah. I'm your fucking big brother. You know what I mean? Just remember, I can beat you up if I want to, but you're my, you're my blood. I won't do it. And then, like you said, January rolls around. Paul Bear says he's lost control of Kane. And, and Kane comes out and saves The Undertaker from a beatdown of DX. And then turns on him at the Royal Rumble '98 and sets yeah. his casket on fire. That's like real <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, and, and then um, right up until this match at WrestleMania 14, it, it, it was all gravy. It was a good story. It got, like I said, it got a little sloppy, but it, it, they always recovered from it. And as the story would go on for the next few years, it got a little. <laughs> Oh boy, I got a run in over here. My cat just went ape shit and knocked over a garbage can. We got a run in by Lucy the cat. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I mean, it's no John Moxley, but it'll, it'll do. It'll do. It's, it's no John. It's no John Moxley, but 
my channel to <laughs> fuck shit up, man. Um, uh, but I'm, you know what? I'm glad she interrupted because you you were going somewhere, and I just want to stop because okay. we missed something. There was a a crazy angle where Paul Bearer and and Kane dug up the Undertaker's parents. <laughs> fuck yeah. Do you remember? And then Kane choked Slam through his mother's casket. Fucking and Christ. Fire. And then over the next few Sorry, years, dude. it would just get fuckier and fuckier because, you know, it starts off, it was like Kane set the house on fire because he was a dick. And then and then later on, yeah. it turned out the Undertaker did it because he was a dick. And then yeah, there, there's a lot of holes in that story, but at the beginning, beginning it was, it was real. And then good. later on, they they were, every time they thought it was getting boring, they would switch it up a bit, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, fucking they they they, they had Paul Bear fucking Undertaker's mom, and, and all of a sudden he's Kane's dad, yeah. and uh, you know, it just got so silly, so. So I'm gonna tell you my number one starts at. Um, Paul Bear saving yeah. the Undertaker, and it ends at their infernal. Okay, match. and that that is pretty perfect right there. Yeah, Boiler, yeah. Um, infernal match. Another moment. I, I like yeah, and a, another great moment um, is the promo that the Undertaker cut when he accepted his challenge at WrestleMania. Yes. Uh, you know, Kane did his fire thing, and the Undertaker yeah. walked through it. it. It was cool, and they had their mania match. Three tombstones made Kane look like a monster. They blew it off at the it, Infernal. That match. was the very first time anybody kicked out of a tombstone. It was, uh, and, and I, I thought the the, the blow off back was then a cool kicking idea. out of a furniture fucking meant something. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, now it's bullshit. Yeah. It's a weekly thing, but. Uh... So, that's my list. All right. Um, fill in uh, some holes for me, Mike. What do you? What did, did we not you, talk you about? You think we should filling in a lot of the stuff that I thought you weren't going to. Uh, I, I'm now. I'm trying to. Um, I won't lie. I I really like his uh, story going into uh, WrestleMania 28. With Triple H, yeah, because it was. It was the opposite of what you would think it was should have been. Um, you know, up until then, it was always, I can, I, I can break the streak. No, you can't. I can break the streak. No, you can't. Oh, I guess he couldn't. This time, it was like, yeah. I fucking beat the shit out of you last year. Yeah, but I won. Yeah, but I beat the shit out of you. Well, 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 well it's, I'm going to fucking prove to you that you know, I'm still better. Than you no, you know what I mean. Like it was such a cool. There, it was it was a it was a twist on the story, and I liked that. There's two things that I really remember about that program, and it's the only two things that I remember. Um, I remember the beginning of it because I remember Triple H was in like a, he was about to fire John Laurinaitis, I think, and the mm-hmm. gong hit right. And Triple H went from being, you know, funny Triple H, and he got that look on his face like, I've been waiting a year for this moment. Which I thought was a great welcome yeah. back for Taker. I also think that their Hell in a Cell match is one of the greatest false finishes of all time. That super kick into the pedigree. If you didn't think the streak was over there, I don't give a fuck. Everybody bit off. Agreed. That. Agreed. 
loved it. Loved everything about it. Um, as far as other storylines, I'm sure we're missing a bunch. Uh, you know, um, I I did I liked some of his runs with the Brothers of Destruction. Um, I liked yeah. a lot of the stuff he did with Austin uh, back in '98. Uh, Highway to Hell. I was just going to yeah, say you know, exactly, uh, and the stuff they did when when they were forced to be tag team partners. Uh, you know, I always lo- yeah. I always enjoyed that kind of stuff. Um, you already brought up the feud of uh, of Austin and uh, and Taker in in the ministry, which is which is just phenomenal. I always like that stuff. Um, yeah, and we touched on Randy now, Orton. A you already bit. said that you know you're not a fan of the the biker Taker. You're not a fan of that of that era of Taker. But I'm not going to shit on his uh, his feud with uh, with Ric Flair. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, that was on my honorable mention. Also, he had a great Hell in the Cell match with Brock Lesnar. That there, was too. the other one I was going to say. He also had during that era. He had a great feud with uh, with Vince McMahon, which led to that that uh, buried alive match. But one thing, one of the things in this era that I really enjoyed was him and a very, very, very green, very young John Cena. Yeah, yeah, he, him and it Cena. It was a had very good short stuff. story, but I really uh, enjoyed it. Fun little angle with Kamala yeah, right? as well. I had written that down, and then I forgot about Maybe. it. Thank you for bringing that up. And then you know what? Even Mabel, because Mabel gave him the Phantom of the Undertaker look, which I thought was cool. And then one more little story that I maybe the match is better than the story. I really have to go back and look, but people don't give it enough credit for being as good as it is. And that's his WrestleMania story with Mark Henry. Yeah, not for me. I thought you were going to say his WrestleMania story with Diesel. Again, and, and that... Okay, I'm not going to say not for me, because that moment where he comes from out under the ring is is, is iconic. Oh, yeah, you right. Um, oh, and the... Uh, fuck, is that the story where uh, he makes the, the fucking mannequin Diesel and puts him in a fucking casket? Oh, that is definitely so good. that story. So good. I loved, I loved it when he would do the whole mind games thing, um, especially they go back yeah. in that era. The only person that did mind games almost as good as uh, as Taker in that era, or a little bit before that era, was Papa Shango. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Papa Shango was cool. Did you ever see that picture of uh, Papa Shango the remake? They almost oh did yeah, the yeah. Era? Would have been cool. Yeah. All right, man. I think we pretty much put a bow on The Undertaker uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, uh, hit us up on our social media. Let us know if we forgot anything because we're talking about a 30-year career. I'm sure there's something you wanted to hear about that we didn't talk about. So, uh, Did you mention social media, that? Mike? You I mentioned mention social, social media. media. Would you be talking about Twitter? I counted out seven or Instagram. At counted out seven. There's also a Facebook page. Counted out seven with the spelling of the word seven. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it right now. And if you guys could ever be so kind, please hit us up on Apple Podcast. Um, like, subscribe, leave a comment, help us get our rating up a little bit. 
that would be and much we do have to shout out the fact that we uh just in the last few days like four or five days we've uh, had a bit of a, a surplus like about 30 new likes on our facebook page in the last couple yeah. of days so thank you guys we hope we're, you're listening to the show as as uh, as well as being part of the group uh but get involved we want to hear from you guys man uh tell us what you want to hear about tell, uh, you know. yeah you know what i'm i'm calling out our facebook group i see you and i posting stuff every day nobody's started a thread on our page yet so somebody anybody i'm begging you let's get going i want to be interactive with you guys i want to hear what you guys have to say tell me what you don't agree with tell me what you agree with talk about something that's going on in the world of wrestling mike and i are marks and we got a lot of free time on our hands man we want to hear from everybody so you already kind of alluded to it you kind of you kind of uh spoiled it earlier but let me let me know let the listeners know what am i talking about next week man Next week, you are going to be talking about the top seven debuts of all now, time. I can already think now, of a bunch in my head, but I think this is going to be a lot harder than I'm giving it credit for. Well, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to make it a, a very broad spectrum for you. Just because Taz debuted in ECW doesn't mean that you cannot use his WWE debut as well. It's going to be a debut for any promotion, um, you know, Chris Jericho was in WCW doesn't mean okay. that you're his WWF debut. It's a debut. With okay, the good enough. And I can use any promotion. You can use any promotion. All right, promotion. good enough. This will be a good list. This is going to be all. I'm going to have to start working now. Jesus. Oh, yeah. This, you know what? This is going to be like the one you gave me with the theme songs where I have 58 <laughs> honorable mentions. Well, better than the one with the Japanese wrestlers. You, at least you, can, you could uh, pronounce the theme songs. Oh God! Let's not talk about the Japanese wrestling list. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. All right, uh, anything left we need to talk about, man? I don't think so. Take us home. All right, Take well, home, uh, fuck. Uh, in behalf of the Undertaker, on behalf of Tyler, on behalf of myself, we've been counted out.